Hey, everybody, listen, we're going to do something different today. We're going to talk about some things quick, fast, and in a hurry. Kind of like short headlines, a little bit of depth. We're going to delve into three entirely separate topics. We're going to hit them all on today's podcast. I'm glad you're here. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. We're glad you're with us today. Uh, We're here, Krista and I are both together tonight, and it's good to have her in the studio with me. Uh, it's good to be here, and uh, we're sitting here listening to the thunder rolling outside. Yeah, we've got a little bit of storms coming in, nothing major, but just uh, that kind of storm that you can just sit there and enjoy here in the rain. Yeah, we might actually sit out on the back porch in a minute. That might be nice. Uh, once we get this ready to go up, that would be a good thing to do. We're not going to have a fire in the fire pit tonight, though. No, it's too wet. It's yeah, already Because it raining. is raining out there right now had an interesting day today we've had we're recording on sunday evening and we had some protests downtown and we had something like 800 people that were there for the protest and it was all very peaceful uh, no violence whatsoever and i got called in to go and work patrol because most of patrol had been called downtown. Mm-hmm. So, so everybody got to switch jobs. It was kind of an interesting afternoon and had a good time, had a reserve with me, and uh, he used to work full time for us, and we did a little catching up and a little uh, getting to know each other. That's we'd, good. We'd never really worked together. We had known who each other was is mm-hmm. about what it amounted to. So, so he got to ride out with Law Dog. He got to ride <laughs> with me. And uh he he never did scream, even when I ran stop signs and <laughs> oh, things like that. So oh, okay. You, you when, gave him a thrill ride, huh? When I ran, ran off the road and drove through the ditches and stuff, he never did scream. Come on. So, anyway. <laughs> Are you pulling my leg? I'm pushing your leg. Okay. All right. But we did have a good time. Everything was safe and everything's great. And, hey, I appreciated the overtime. Mm-hmm. And it kind of leads us to one of the things that we want to talk about tonight And we're going to do something a little bit different. We're actually going to talk about three different segments, three totally different topics. We're just going to really talk about it like off the cuff. We're not Mm -hmm. really doing a lot of scripting or preparing. We're just wanting to speak our minds at this point. We've talked through some of this, but this is, I joked while ago that we're going to have no note Monday. And I even have my glasses off, so I couldn't read it if I had it in front of me right now anyway. (laughs) But we're going to talk a little bit. We're not going to talk about the actual subject of the protest with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. We're we're not going to get into that portion. We're going to talk a little bit about the legality of it and how we got to where we are. And one of the things that we're going to say is don't get distracted Don't let this distract you as a prepper from the things that we need to be doing. I think that's very good advice. And so, well, let's just go ahead and jump into this segment. 
And let's kind of recap on the the actual legal things that went on. Now, this was a case that came out of Mississippi. It was Dobbs v. Jackson. I've actually mentioned that on the podcast. Right. And what they were doing is they were challenging uh, Mississippi's law that banned abortion after 15 weeks. And that went all the way to the Supreme Court. And when that was upheld, that overturned automatically Roe v. Wade. And as a reminder for some that may not, I mean, we're old enough to remember when Roe v. Wade was a decision that came down through the Supreme Court. 1973. In 1973, it made a federal issue I would say it it didn't create a new law and it did not adopt a new amendment into the Constitution. It is a Supreme Court decision mm-hmm. that allowed a federal standard, if you will, on being able to uh, acquire an abortion or, or abortive services, mm-hmm. as it were. And as you said, it was a precedent from the court there is not, was not, never has been a constitutional right to abortion. That's true. There, there's there been some speaking about using the 14th Amendment to loosely define abortion, but in reality, even the most liberal of federal court judges have admitted that Roe v. Wade has always been problematic in that it is not a law, nor mm-hmm. is it constitutional. Yes, and so what it really did is it took away the precedent of abortion being available on demand at any point up until birth. Now, we're not talking about the morality of it. We're not talking about it. What we're saying goes for those that are for it and or against it. Exactly. We're trying to just stick to. We're sticking to the legal aspects. The legal aspects, the data and the facts. Right. Now, here's the thing that a lot of folks did not understand. Overturning Roe v. Wade did not make abortion illegal. Certainly not. It returned the subject back to the governance of each individual state. Which is the way the Constitution is set up. The Constitution says that anything that is not addressed in the Constitution is left up to the states. And that's actually the purpose of the federal government as our forefathers actually saw Mm -hmm. it. The federal government is supposed to be the smallest of all government in terms of its power over the individual citizen. Mm -hmm. It's the individual state where you reside that you have your greatest amount of voting power and voice to be heard, Mm -hmm. as it were. And so the legal recourse for citizens of every state is if there are laws, and I'm talking any laws, not just the issue we're speaking about, but if there's any legislation that you disagree with, there are corridors of ways to change that, Mm -hmm. and it's done in the voting booth. Now, illustrate it this way. Tennis shoes are not mentioned in the Constitution. I don't know of any place in the Constitution that shoes or footwear of any kind are mentioned. I believe you're right about that. I do think I'm right. And if a state wants to adopt something that says you can or cannot wear tennis shoes, 
the state can do that. The federal government cannot say we're going to regulate the wearing or the not wearing of tennis shoes. It's not addressed in the federal constitution. So it goes to the state. So you can have one state that says you can wear tennis shoes, but only if they're black or white or the old black and white kids kind of thing. Right. Another state can say you can wear any color tennis shoes that you want to wear. And another state can say you can't wear tennis shoes at all. And that's totally legal in the way that the Constitution was set up. If you don't like your state's tennis shoe laws or you want to see tennis shoes banned or no limit on tennis shoes, then you can go to your state legislators, lobby them to make a tennis shoe law, and you can get that put into place. Right. It's it's a completely legal and completely successful way of laws applying in states. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that doesn't guarantee that if you want a law changed, that it's going to get changed. No. Like any, any law, any bill that comes forward in the, the legislative branches of your state, go through the very same rigors, just like in the U.S. Congress. You know, mm-hmm. a bill is presented. It's either voted in, out, up, or down. And so there's no guarantee on any bill that no. it's going to be successful, nor is there a guarantee that it won't be successful. Exactly. Now You've got to just do it the governing way. If, if you've got half the population of that state calling their representatives and saying, we want a tennis shoe law, you'll get a tennis shoe law. Yeah, you're going to get some because action. Because they're looking at what representing the people and we need to get reelected. Mm-hmm. So we're going to make we're going to pass a tennis shoe law. Right. And so substitute any subject you want for tennis shoe law. And that's how it works. Now, here's our concern. Now, let's go back to what's going on today, literally yesterday and today with the various pundits, the various politicians, um, the people in the streets. And don't get me wrong. I totally and completely advocate and stand for what the Constitution gives us a right to protest. Yes, there's a there's a freedom of assembly, peaceful assembly mm-hmm. and freedom of speech. The key word there is peaceful. Yes, there are parameters to your and liberty. We talked about not long ago how riot gets started when you've got a bunch of protesters that get agitated and sometimes that agitation comes from outside sometimes there are people put in there to agitate that crowd Mm -hmm. and then when you get the first window broken or you get the first bottle thrown or things like that then the right is on now thankfully the one we had in town today was totally peaceful not one problem that they had to deal with and that's great that's that's our that's our government at work and every one of our guys that were down there Support that. Mm -hmm. We totally support that. So what they did today was they kept the protesters safe. They made sure nobody else came in and created a problem. And it all went well. But what we're concerned about is that politicians, pundits, celebrities, celebrities, news media, that they stir this up to the point that it distracts us from what we actually need to be doing. Yeah. 
You know, the government has a, and I say the government, some politicians have a knack for stirring up something here on the left hand. Look over here, look over here, look over here. And they're doing something over here with the right hand that they don't want us to know about. Right. So, you know, keep the eyes and ears open. Yes. And don't let this distract you from prepping the way that we need to be prepping. Absolutely. Let's don't buy into fear one way or the other, Mm -hmm. and let's just keep on building our preps and doing what we need to do. Now, with that said, let me say that especially if you're just starting out, don't feel like you are way behind the eight ball and we only have six weeks to get prepared, okay? Mm -hmm. I, I see that too many times in social media and in forums where, you know, it's about to happen. It's about to happen. Well, it's been happening since we were teenagers. Well, yeah. I mean, we remember Y2K, mm-hmm. and then we remember 2012, and then, you, were, you know, there's been all sorts of doom and gloom prophecies going on amongst the population, but we have lived long enough to see that a lot of it's hype, mm-hmm. smoke, and a bag of hot wind. And a lot of mirrors. A lot of mirrors. And so, yes, exactly. Don't be distracted away from what you know to be a uh, the proper task of prepping and storing and doing the things that you know is going to be right for your family, regardless of what's happening in the nation's capital or the big cities or around the world. And keep prepping, as we say, practically. There are some things that we are going to have happen. We know we're going to have some weather issues. We know that we're going to have some power outages from time to time. And today we know that we're going to have food shortages. We're going to see some things lacking on the shelves. So keep prepping and keep doing what we know we need to do. It's basically keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. And we're going to take a short break and then we will come back with another segment. So just hang right there with us. ProLine Digital Group. If you need a website, an app, a logo, graphic design, or even digital leads, you're going to want to contact ProLine Digital Group. The guys down there at ProLine Digital Group support all of our web presence and have really been a tremendous help. There's so much that we could not do and didn't know how to do. And the ProLine Digital Group jumped right in there and took over and really run things smooth sailing We really like ProLine Digital Group. You know, you might be a small business. You might be a landscaper or a house painter or even a dog walker, and you need to get some customers. ProLine Digital Group can actually find qualified leads for you. You need to give them a try. If you need some sort of Internet presence for your small business or you're looking for an app design for your organization, contact ProLine Digital Group. All right. Welcome back. Thanks for coming back with us. We're going to talk about hot weather summer and the importance of staying hydrated. Now, we dealt with this in more detail a few podcasts back, but we just want to take a small segment to also remind you and me that hydration is very important. We're talking about proper hydration. For example, water, Powerade, Gatorade, fruit juices, Uh, Those are the types of things that your body can use immediately for good hydration. To be honest, sodas are not a good hydrator. They actually encourage 
the kidneys and bladder to empty. So don't depend on sodas for your hydration. Same thing with alcohol. Well, I was getting, yeah, I was going down that road. I was building up. Also remembering, too, that especially in the hot weather, you know, slamming a few beers back or wine or hard liquor, these are also not the ways to handle your body's hydration. Those are also severely dehydrating. You really need to be thoughtful and intentional about how you hydrate. You need to give your body the fluid that it must have. And to be honest, you really just can't beat good old water. Exactly. And you can add some powder to that. Powerade makes one. I, I really like the Powerade uh, powder that goes in there. I mm-hmm. personally prefer the fruit punch. And I have found that when I add that to my water, I drink more water. Well, it also puts some electrolytes in it, there. It does. Some necessary salts that are important for you. But if you've got nothing but water, then by all means, drink an appropriate amount of water. And we did determine a formula for that is to take your body weight, cut that number in half, convert that to ounces, and that's how many ounces of water you should drink each day. So I need to be drinking 110 ounces of water per day. That's that's what we're understanding. And, so, and that doesn't mean drink it all at once. You no, know, in no. fact, it's better to drink smaller amounts throughout the day. And whether you get the recommended number, and you know, it was always we need to drink 64 ounces of water a day. Well, that's really dependent on your size. A little lady that weighs 85 pounds doesn't need to be drinking 64 (laughs) ounces of water. No, she does not. And a guy that's 220 pounds doesn't need to be drinking just 64 ounces of water. Here's the key. If you will just keep sipping on the water, if you'll take several sips every hour, you'll do pretty well. You You actually will. You just drink a few ounces every hour. That will keep you pretty well hydrated and something that, believe it or not, you taught me and quite several years ago, and that is if you're thirsty, you're already dehydrating. Right. Thirst is the body's mechanism to signal dehydration. And so I didn't even learn that lesson until I was an adult. And I thought, there are times when I have actually felt serious thirst. Mm -hmm. And I already know what that means is I'm already over the line into dehydration land. Mm -hmm. And I need to get out of there and I need to hydrate. And I have tried to be much more intentional about water. And I'm just going to be honest with you. When I drink more water, my joints don't hurt. My skin is clear and lovely. My fingernails and hair feel great. Uh, the digestive system works like a top. It's like your body has the right fluid to get every system mm-hmm. working. My lungs work better. Uh, the joints feel better. I don't have the headaches. I'll tell you something, too. Dehydration can lead to sudden UTI. It can lead to confusion and a sense of um, cloudy thinking mm-hmm. from simple dehydration. And so that's how important it is. Your, your body can tell you that you're way off kilter. So listen to it. And we'll touch just briefly on the two major heat-related illness, injury, whatever you want to call them. And that's heat stroke and heat exhaustion. Yes, they are different, although there are... 
some similarities, but then there are some clear differences. Right. Now, in heat exhaustion, you will have that fatigue, and you will have heavy sweating. And we're not going to go into all the details of stuff, but these two will really give you the the key to which one is which. If the person has quit sweating, you're looking at heat stroke. The body has lost its ability to cool itself, to regulate the temperature, and that is a true medical emergency. That's when it's time to call 911. That can kill you. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's heat exhaustion, get them out of the sun, get them out of the heat, cool them down. And you were talking the other day about one of the best ways to, to cool them down is to put cold water or cold packs on their forearms. Yes, or on their pulse points, like under the arm, mm-hmm. uh, behind, behind the, the knees, knees, right, and in the groin, even though that sounds kind of tough, putting a little ice pack right there, it's a good thing to do. And the reason for it is that the blood vessels are much closer to the skin, and it will facilitate cooling the body much quicker. Anything else you want to add on this segment? Well, we just want to make sure that those of us that have been in very warm weather, we've had heat indices in North Alabama in the triple digits. Mm -hmm. We've had actual temperature in the triple digits. And I'm here to tell you, summer is here with a vengeance. It's hot. It's miserable. Take precautions. Don't just assume you're going to be okay. I did that once, and I paid the price. So I'm here to tell you from experience, don't leave your home unhydrated and have a way to be properly hydrated, pay attention to your symptoms, pay attention to your sweating, pay attention to your skin turning red, and pay attention to your clear thinking, because also heat exhaustion, particularly heat stroke, can actually impair your mentality. And that's also another very big symptom. So we want you to be careful and safe. We don't want you to get burned, and we want you to be comfortable and have a good summer But pay attention to these things and have the proper resources that you need to stay hydrated and well. And we'll be back in just a minute. Let's talk a second about Jim Curtis Knives. Now, Jim Curtis is a custom knife builder, and he builds some beautiful, beautiful knives. I have two Jim Curtis Knives that Krista has given me for gifts at two separate times, and I thoroughly enjoy those knives. And not only are they beautiful, but they are functional. Now, one of the things about that's very unique about Jim Curtis knives is you can design your own knife. You can decide what your blade design is going to be. You can decide what kind of handles you want on it. You can choose between Kydex or leather when it comes to the sheath. And they are very, very durable as well. I have both the leather and I have Kydex for my knives. And they are very, very functional. They're secure. I have no problem with wearing those knives around when I'm working outside, when I'm in the woods, when I'm doing whatever. That knife is where it's supposed to be. And it is a tremendously sharp and durable knife. Now, you can see Jim Curtis Knives on his Facebook page at Jim Curtis Knives, and you can find a link on our website to go and see those. 
And something that you need to know about Jim Curtis knives is every knife comes with a lifetime guarantee. It comes with a lifetime sharpening and it comes with two band-aids. And yes, they really are that sharp. So go check out Jim Curtis knives. And I believe that you will be very, very pleased. And this last segment, we're going to talk about some shortages that we see coming. Now, part of the reason for some of these shortages, and we have covered this in the newsletter, and I think we've covered it fairly well on some podcasts, we still have some backup in some of our ports of entry. I was reading the other day, and a lot of places are sending their ships to Savannah instead of the West Coast because there there's less congestion, or at least there was, in Savannah. But now uh, there's a tremendous backup in Savannah as well. And where it was taking ships, having to wait a half a day or so to get into port, I understand now they're taking four and five days before they can get into port to be unloaded. And, you know, it's like a domino effect. It because is. Because it just increases the backlog the further you go. So we've got supply chain issues in the area of shipping. Now, we've also got some places in particularly manufacturing of some food products. We have labor shortages in the manufacturing or processing plants. And in particular, that is in beef processing, it's in pork processing, and it's in chicken processing. Some of those were shut down completely because of COVID, and we haven't yet caught up. And during the last or the initial lockdown, the grocery stores were out of meat pretty much. I noticed ours, you could get buffalo and you could get tofu. And it wasn't down to people eating buffalo or tofu. But the rest of the meat counters were empty is really what they were. Mm -hmm. And when it began to come back, some folks were limiting how much you could buy. Right. Well, they didn't want any one person coming in and clearing out their meat counter. Mm -hmm. And we saw that with toilet tissue when it came back. They would Mm -hmm. limit you to one pack or two packs. And that was to allow other people to be able to get some toilet tissue. And so now everybody seems to have enough toilet tissue to go at least 12 months, you know, (laughs) on the shelf. I hope so. If they've been doing good prepping, they do. Yeah. And so... We've also seen other shortages that we have mentioned. Uh, We told our listeners in the end of February, 1st of March, about the baby formula shortage that would be coming. And guess what? In May, it came. It hit hard. And it hit hard, and it was critical for some folks. And folks were driving even to other states trying to be able to buy baby formula for uh, for their babies. And one of the ladies that I talked with after, and she took our word for it, and they never had to go looking. They had enough. They they bought it before um, their, I mean, their baby was newly born, and they bought enough to be able to carry them through the shortage, and they were appreciative of our words of advice. Well, you have some more words of advice of some of the things that we're seeing shortages and we're seeing that are going to become shortages, um, not 
only because of shipping supply, but because of manufacturing and also because of the inflation that we're seeing that if you find it, it's higher price. So take it away. Yes, I've been doing some reading and I'm looking at a a forward looking view into the late summer, early fall. And this may carry on fully into the end of the year. And that is going to be cooking oil. Now, that includes liquid oils like vegetable oil, canola, olive oil, uh, blends of sunflower and canola, any of your liquid oils, also up to and including your coconut oil, the shortening, the lard, any of these types of oil or or saturated fat products that are used in cooking and food preparation, not only are the manufacturers themselves who need these things finding them in short supply, that's going to translate over to us, the direct consumer. We're going to begin seeing emptier shelves when it comes to oil. All right, let's just talk about the ripple effect there for a second. Corn oil. Let's just use corn oil. Okay. Now, what have we talked about having problems in the agricultural industry, and one of the problems is corn. We're going to see some corn shortages. Mm -hmm. Well, if we're seeing corn shortages on the shelves, we're also going to be seeing corn shortages for manufacturers or processing plants, including corn oil. Of course, because they need these products in order to make mass quantities of of packaged foods. Mm -hmm. And if they are having difficulty acquiring bulk corn oil. And paying a lot more for it because of gas price or diesel fuel price. I mean, we've seen some prices triple. Fertilizer, the difficulty in getting fertilizer. Mm -hmm. uh, Because, you know, Russia is the number one manufacturer in the world of fertilizer. Exactly. And our farmers have depended on that Mm -hmm. for many, many generations. And now that that nation is at war... Well, fertilizer is very tough to get. So and all throw of, into that all yeah. of the droughts that we have seen across right. the Midwest and the West. There's a mighty big eight ball. It mm-hmm. feels like America's kind of behind it right now. Mm-hmm. So what we're seeing, what we're reading is, and what I'm telling you, my listeners, is that you need to be very aware that if oil, cooking oil or cooking shortening lard, those coconut oil, those types of things, Uh, are of great value in your home, you may need to make some preparation and some adjustments in Mm -hmm. your prep and storage. Now, let me tell you what I'm not going to do, because I have a two-person family. Now, it's me and it's Mark, and I do a lot of cooking and baking, and I do use cooking oils and shortenings and so on. I am not going to try to buy 30-gallon bottles of oil, and here's why. Oil, liquid oil particularly, does not have the shelf life of a canned good or a dry bag of beans or something like that. Rancidity, the, the, the staleness of the taste of oil, the rancid property of oil can come on pretty fast mm-hmm. after you open it. So I don't really, I personally don't want to buy a hundred gallons of liquid oil of anything because I'll never go through that to keep it fresh, to be usable. I, to me, that will be a waste of my money's, uh, my money. But we are going to add some, but let me throw this exactly. in there. 
if it goes rancid, don't just throw it out. It's still useful for some other things. It could be useful for other things. Yes, yes. and it can be used as a lamp oil. It could be a lamp oil. It, if people know how to blend it, it actually can be some sort of a motor oil because mm-hmm. ethanol is corn-based, I believe, too. So that's that's going on. But I just wanted to let you know that you, you need to consider cooking oil and shortenings and lards in a different class in terms of long-term storage. I'm looking at it right now in more of a short-term type of a deal. I want to purchase in the same bottle amount that I would normally purchase. But more bottles. But more bottles. You know, and it, here's the thing. Once it's open, that's when you need to think about, I need to go ahead and get this used That's up. when the clock starts running. Right. So if you're going to store it longer term, you might consider smaller quantities. Exactly. Exactly. But I'm just telling you that we're already beginning to have word coming through, and these are very reliable sources of intel on the oil situation. And you're going to see that in every walk of life, every restaurant, every food manufacturer, and you yourself as your own, you know, cook in your home, you're going to start seeing this. And uh, I kind of already have. So I wanted to pass this along to you, our listeners, that this is a good time to, you know, we talk about picking up that extra one or two items at the grocery store, you know, for the next couple of weeks, make that oil, you know, and just go ahead and get ahead of it because waiting until September, October, you're going to find that you're going to be out. You're just right. not going to have the choice that you want. Well, the store is going to be out. The store is so going to be out. And, what we want yeah. is for our listeners not to be out. Yeah, we don't want you to, to be panic. prepared for that. We so. don't want you to buy, you know, 58 bottles right now. But, but just, it's another you know. thing to add to the list of the, and we've touched on this recently with the wheat products. We've mm-hmm. been talking about that for a good while here exactly. lately. I've got um, bread in the freezer right now. The, <laughs> I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we do go through a fair amount of bread, mm-hmm. especially when you drag it through some olive oil. And, yeah. and I love that. So, I love that dipping spice. Yes. So, Yummy. You know, we're, we're storing a little bit more for dipping mm-hmm. and uh, the cotton products. And we've talked about ladies that that use and need tampons to be able to mm-hmm. go ahead and purchase some of those because we're looking at a shortage in cotton products as well. So if it comes from... The earth, if it's something that's grown, we may want to take a look at beefing up those, no pun intended, but <laughs> beefing up An those agricultural areas joke. And, and, and be able to have some of those things on hand mm-hmm. and basically get ahead. I mean, you know, we don't like living paycheck to paycheck. We don't want to be living grocery run to grocery run. What we want our grocery runs to be doing is replacing the things that we used when we've got a three-week, four-week, six-week supply of these things. And let's just let's get down to where we can say, whew, we didn't experience the shortages. Right. They didn't affect us. Anything else you want to add before we close? Well, we just hope that you've taken our uh, words to heart. We want to help you. We want to help ourselves as well. We want to share the things with you to make your life better. And anything that we can do to help you make your prepping adventure better, we feel like that's a very practical thing to do. You know why, Mark? Because stuff happens. So you got to stay prepared. we got to stay prepared. And we mentioned the newsletter a while ago. If you have not signed up for the newsletter, just drop us an email that says newsletter. 
And you can do that through the, and you don't have to say just newsletter. I mean, there've been some folks that. <laughs> Chat with us a while. <laughs> yeah, there's been some folks that have really talked with us back and forth on email and some things were actually lining up with mm-hmm. that. We're hearing from a lot of our international listeners we are. too. We are. And we're working on lining up an interview internationally. And that's going to be interesting to see what they do differently than we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, just to let you know that the next episode was spurred by one of those listener emails, and it caused me to go back and do an in-depth research of GMRS Radio. Oh, cool. And I've always thought that Ham Radio was the best prepper radio. I may have changed my mind. What? I may have changed my mind. Ooh, stay tuned. So that should be on Wednesday. All right, folks, we do appreciate you being with us, and we will see you next time. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We would appreciate it if you would share Practical Prepping Podcast with your friends, family, and your social media. The direct link is in the show notes. And as always, stuff happens. Stay prepared.